Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Some days you're the dog, some days you're the fire hydrant, and the worst days are when this show is on. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you uh, pre-recorded, although it's it's early morning on uh, July 4th. Uh, On tonight's show, hey, I'm excited. Not only are we uh, celebrating our our country's Independence Day, but... uh, Tonight we start with the first uh, guest as the uh, or uh, listener as the co-host and uh, Dino Argeropoulos is uh, on the show with me and he's going to take over pipe parts. We're going to talk about uh, he's going to talk about his in between each smoke cleaning routine that he does, and then uh, after that he'll be my guest and we'll have uh, music mailbag and rant all that coming up at the end of the show as we uh, celebrate the uh, 4th of July here in the United States or what we now call the original Brexit uh, or what the uh, Brits call as oh thank god we don't have to worry about them anymore day Uh, it is the 4th of July and uh, fireworks and uh, picnics and all kinds of stuff and again, this show has been uh, pre-recorded in the morning because both Kevin and I had stuff to do and we got invited to things. Uh, real quickly, before we get Dino going, last week in Washington, D.C., uh, the uh, a bill with an FDA premium exemption advances in the... Uh, in one of the House subcommittees, and I'll uh, try to read this to you real quick. A bill with FDA premium exemption language passes House subcommittee. Uh, The House Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture yesterday advanced legislation that includes a rider exempting premium cigars, and it defines premium cigars, and it is pretty much what we would define premium cigars as. Uh, It doesn't mention anything about pipe tobacco except... Uh, the one thing in here says the bill draft also includes a rider that changes the predicate date from February 15th, 2007 to August 8th, 2016 on all tobacco products. Uh, so that's that's beneficial to us in the pipe tobacco world. Now, this is a subcommittee, and those of you who are not too familiar with how uh, Washington, D.C. works... Uh, the subcommittee then reports to the committee who then puts a bill forward to the entire house. And then the uh, Senate has to act on that as well. So it's, it's nice to see it's a breath of fresh air, but it's a long way off. So there's the uh, FDA update for you. And again, next week when I'm in, uh, when I'm in Las Vegas for the IPCPR, hopefully we'll hear more about that. All right, let's get the show rolling and get Dino on here. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and this is it, the first one. The first one of the uh, of the summer series, and I couldn't think of a better person to start it off with, but... 
joining me as co-host for uh, Pipe Parts, and uh, he picked it, so blame him. Uh, Dino, let, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best, but here it goes. Dino Argalopoulos. How'd I do? That's cool. Uh, it's close enough. Well, well, say it, say it in your real, in your real, uh, uh, authentic voice. Well, it's Dino Argyropoulos. Argyropoulos. Yeah, if it was Greek, it would be Argyropoulos, but no one does that. <laughs> so, I mean, so I'm going to guess you know. <laughs> when they go and get a sandwich, they don't say gyro; they say gyro. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing you're not Italian. No, my yeah. wife is. Uh-oh. All right, well, we won't talk about that. Uh, but we will talk about, you wanted to, uh, for pipe parts, your maintenance process on pipes. So uh, go for it. We always need to know how to keep our pipes clean and what other people do. So fire away. What's your process? Well, I'm very OCD, so I clean my pipe after every smoke. So I, uh, as soon as it, uh, I'm done... The first thing I do is take my pipe knife and loosen all the tobacco in the bowl, shake it, empty it out so that there's a little dusting inside with the ash. Then I'll run a uh, pipe cleaner through it uh, and leave it until it cools down. After it's cooled down, maybe later in the evening or the next day, I'll take it apart, uh, once again scrape the bowl, I like to keep the bowl very thin cake. Uh, then I'll uh, take out the pipe cleaner that I had in there and then um, get my bristle cleaners, a little uh, Bombay Sapphire Gin, and clean the stem first and then the bowl, the uh, shank rather, and uh, let them dry. Put another pipe cleaner through there to make sure it's clean and dry. And then after it dries a little bit, I put it back together again and start cleaning the stem. I use, if it's really green, usually it isn't. I, I try to keep it clean except for, you know, upshawls. If you leave upshawls on the shelf for a while, they turn green on you. If it's green, I'll use the Mr., uh, uh, what do you call it, the eraser, uh, Mr. Clean uh, Magic Eraser, which works yep. really well. You piece of that off and you rub it down. You can wet it a little bit, rub it down. And then in order to get all that stuff off, I use Flitz, which is a polisher. It's a metal polisher. It was made essentially for swords. So it's very, very um, soft. It doesn't have any grit in it. Okay. And the FDA says you can, you know, eat it out of the tube. I wouldn't suggest it, but, you know, it's not <laughs> going to be toxic to you. Yummy. I'll polish it up, and then uh, I'll put a little obsidian on it. Uh, when the obsidian's ready, wipe it down, wipe the bowl off, take a piece of uh, Kleenex, uh, put a little saliva on the Kleenex and rub around the bowl, and it's ready to go. Put it in the pipe rack. Now, how, long, how much time does that take you? Uh, depends on how green the stem is. Depends on how much, you know, I have acidic... Uh, I, I tend to green up the edge of the the pipe bit because I use the rubber bits. Okay. And uh, so it sometimes turns a little green, and it takes a little bit more. I, I would say less than half an hour. I often do it while I'm listening to the show, quite frankly. Do you do it after each bowl? 
Pretty much. Yeah. I uh, I don't smoke that many bowls in a week, so maybe one a day. So it's not that hard to do. Okay. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, uh, Bob, smokes about 10 pipes a day, and once in a while I have to clean his pipes, which are... <laughs> it's a job, quite frankly. Uh, if you're bored, do you want me to send you some pipes to clean? Uh, no, thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> clean your own damn pipes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a preference of pipe cleaner? I use uh, BJ's, uh, and I have used the uh, Bingham, the Bingham, uh, Bingham rather. Yeah. I've used both of those. I like the BJ's and the BJ Longs. They work very nice. Is there and any they don't uh, fluff? Is there any length, or do you like the tapered or the regular fluffy or the extra fluffy or the? Well, I use uh, I usually use the the tapered bristle and uh, the thinnest I can find uh, of uh, the regular okay. uh, bristle, and that's that's something I get from uh, one of my buddies in the club. Uh, Chuck Gray, Dr. Chuck, our in-house uh, pipe repairer. <laughs> and uh, he has some real, real thin ones. I don't know where he gets them from, but I buy them off of him. And then the last question, because the, the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, I've heard I've heard before. I've goofed around with it myself, uh, but you're just tearing off a piece of it from the from a brand-new clean one and using that to, to get the little detailed stuff? Right, absolutely. I cut it down to a little triangle, and you know that little fit nicely in my fingers. Work it down, get by the uh, the button as well as I can, and where the where the taper of the stem comes up, because that's usually stays kind of that's a problem usually. And uh, it works for me. It works very well for me. Now, and and it, the, and sometimes I won't need it, and I just use the flips. And it's not just one wipe back and forth with that either. It's working it back and forth over. Yeah, it's working. I mean, it's, you know, it's a little work to get that because that stuff. And I don't worry about scratching the pipe or anything because that, that stuff uh, uh, doesn't have any grit to it because, you know, people want to use it on their katanas and they don't want to scratch on their swords. So. Yeah, and the flitz is F-I-L-T-Z, if I remember right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, you can get it, in, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Ace Hardware pretty easy available yeah there you go perfect way to uh keep your pipes perfectly clean and uh we're going to take a break right here when we come back we'll talk to dino like he's uh dino so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute this is internet radio i'm jeremy reeves head blender of cornell and deal pipe tobacco company at cornell and deal we think the best things in life are better with age and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. 
Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and Dino is hanging out with us as part of our summer series. Uh, Dino, you've been listening to the show since day one, so you kind of know how this routine goes, but uh, so what got you started smoking a pipe? Uh, well, long-time listener, first-time interviewee. <laughs> I, uh, I started uh, at 14. My dad came up to me one day and said, uh, I don't want you smoking cigarettes. Here's a pipe. He gave me one of his pipes. And here's some tobacco. And he gave me some of his tobacco. And I smoked the pipe for a few years. Kind of in hiding, because you can't really smoke a pipe in high school or else you get, you know, wedgies and stuff like that. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a uh, basket pipe and... Uh, cookie jar tobacco and to think that all these years I've still smoked after smoking cookie jar boy that stuff just took my tongue around and beat it up something terrible (laughs) everybody's everybody's first experience with tobacco an aromatic that burns the hell out of your mouth and then uh, took a break but uh, unfortunately I didn't want to tell my dad when he gave me my pipe that I'd already been stealing his uh, parliaments and my mom's kents when I was 12. So I didn't tell him that. And I got, I was hooked on cigarettes for a while and quit cold turkey and went back smoking my pipe on a regular basis. I smoked it all the time, but I mean, I went back to smoking it on a regular basis after I quit smoking cigarettes. And uh, been smoking ever since. Now, when did you, uh, so when you went back, did you, is that when you started looking at buying your own pipes and discovering different tobaccos? Actually, I started buying my own pipes even younger than that. I was uh, I was 16 and I was, you know, I'm very wrapped up in the in the concept of the art and, and that of pipe making. And, and uh, you know, what I could afford, I would buy. But it wasn't until later that I bought some of my, I think my first pipe was a medical pipe uh, with one of those holes in the bottom of the bowl. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah. And it had like a metal uh, stem that uh, you put the medical filter in. And uh, that was my first pipe that I bought for myself. And then uh, later, um, I tried buying a couple other pipes. But my dad had so many pipes, I didn't actually have to go buy pipes. And a variety of pipes he had. And uh, I think my first expensive pipe was a Cheriton uh, Bulldog. And uh, at that time, I was smoking some stuff from a local Chicago shop that was called the uh, English Pipe Shop. Oh, yeah. And their their house tobacco was wine cured number 11. And that stuff cooked my tongue, too. (laughs) And uh, I smoked. In the university, you could smoke anywhere in the university. I mean, I smoked in the lunchroom, I smoked in class, you know. Sometimes my professor would ask me for, you know, can I have a pinch of that? You know, it was a different time entirely. Yeah, so you you grew up in the Chicago area, and you must have seen, you must have been in some, besides Ewan Reese, you must have been in some of the great pipe shops that were around. Oh, yeah, there were a lot of really good ones. Uh, I... Pretty much after buying a pipe or two at Cellini's, 
opinion that uh, I, uh, you and Reese, I went to Cellini's, which was a, a a big thing in Chicago. Yeah. He made his own pipes. He uh, he didn't. Uh, he tried not to have fills uh, in them, and they were all pretty good smoking pipes. Uh, that was because my guru told me to go there. I had a pipe guru, and uh, he was a lawyer that uh, was a family friend. And he taught me about, uh, you know, take the the lacquer off those pipes. He would have me sanding some of my crappy pipes, and they actually smoked better when I sanded all the lacquer off of them. <laughs> and uh, he told me to go to Cellini's, and I went to Cellini's and uh, started mixing even some of my own tobaccos. And uh, this was when it was on Wacker Drive. Wow. And it moved around quite a bit. And you'll see Stu uh, Silver sometimes at the Chicago Pipe Show. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I started. Uh, what was the what was the price of a of a good pipe? Or let's go back to that that Sheraton Bulldog. Do you remember exactly how much it was? Yeah, it was I think thirty bucks. And that was. That was a brand new pipe off the shelf. For it was Earth. a brand new Cheriton, uh, uh blasted bulldog, and that <laughs> was a hell of a lot of money for me. Yeah. And then you uh, you went through college and you got your degree. What what's your degree in? I got my degree in political science. Uh-oh. I was hoping to go into the uh, into the diplomatic corps, but Nixon was president, and I didn't agree with his. His uh, view, and I don't think he would have agreed with my view. So <laughs> I was always under the impression because when I went to DePaul University, I wrote some very nasty articles about uh, our mayor at the time, Richard J. Daley. And at one point in my uh, uh, my last year in college, I would pick up the phone and I would hear a double click. So I was positive that I was being recorded by the Red Squad. <laughs> <laughs> talk about talk about paranoia, but you know sometimes paranoia. Sometimes someone's really after you. <laughs> well, and with... so I, I, what happened was it was the Vietnam War era, and kind of being a conscientious objector, I didn't want to go to Canada. And uh, someone said, "Well, you know, you really are good at teaching. Why don't you teach?" And I got a job with the Chicago Public Schools, got my deferment and uh, was able to teach. I taught in the southwest side of Chicago, which uh, uh, was considered a, a dangerous area and one where they needed teachers because nobody would go there. And and uh, it was I stayed in the same school for 35 years. Yeah, it, the, I mean, the Chicago south side, isn't that where the TV show Good Times was kind of based off of? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, right. so so not exactly your uh, your Pollyanna suburban neighborhood that you were teaching in. Oh no 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 no! When I started teaching at my school, uh, Corkery School, it was I would say maybe seventy percent Bohemians and Czechs, and the rest were uh, blacks, African Americans from uh, South Lawndale. And then when all the Bohemians went west. Uh, the school became almost 80% African-American. And then after the Bohemians left, they left 26th Street, which is 
the dividing line there, and it's called a neighborhood called Little Village, which you might have heard of in the news once in a while. And it was originally Little Village in Moravia, and uh, they changed it to Little Village uh, that was in Mexico. So all uh, Mexican families started moving in, and the school became, it flipped again from uh, predominantly African-American to predominantly Latino, mostly Mexican families. So I watched uh, a lot of stuff happen. Yeah, and and with you being in, interested in politics, uh, you know, Chicago's got a great history of, well, and Illinois has a great history of mayors and governors that tend to go to jail. Yeah, yeah, and good for them, too. That's where they belong, some of them. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a problem with me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's... It's a trial to live here. But I've lived within... The funny thing is, uh, I was born in New York, in uh, Astoria. And my parents dragged me to Chicago when I was nine months old, ten months old. So I don't have any New York accent. (laughs) And I literally live in the same neighborhood since I was five years old. Within three blocks of the house I lived in when I was five. And uh, I've lived in the same neighborhood for a long time. It's in the, on the north side of Chicago. Pretty stable neighborhood. Yeah, but that's really rare nowadays when you get people moving you know, every five to six weeks. Right, right, right. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. I, uh, I enjoy being in the city. I enjoy what the city's all about. And I can handle the, the bad parts of living in the big city. Well, and I will say about Chicago that, uh, and Condé Nast just came out with it, it's the number one restaurant city in the United States now. Yeah, and you've seen me, and you know that none of that is beer, it's all food. <laughs> yeah, you I, uh, You haven't missed I, a meal in a while, have you? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I say that affectionately. Yeah, sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were at the when you were at the public school, did they have a did you have a smoking lounge for the teachers? No, everyone went into the teachers' washroom and smoked. We didn't have an actual lounge, and uh, we did have yeah, you know, the teachers' room. We, we would smoke in there, and then we'd get pretty blue in there. <laughs> but, you know, during the day, that was usually in the morning or after school. Uh, lunchtime, people didn't smoke that much because they wanted to eat their quick lunch and get out of there. They had about 10 minutes, so. But uh, in the morning during teachers' meetings, you know, the room would be pretty blue. Wow. And some of the teachers would run out, some of the guys would run out and go over to the teacher's washroom at the end of the hall and, and have a smoke. And I used to bring my pipe to school and uh, have a smoke outside every once in a while. Never in the building. But there was no big deal about smoking in front of the kids or any of that at the. Well, there was, but you know, the kids knew we smoked, so it was you know, it was no well kept secret, so it was not a problem. <laughs> no, no tobacco free campuses. Oh God, tobacco free! <laughs> there wasn't even any gun free campuses at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long ago did you retire? Uh, I retired in two thousand three. So I've been retired a long time. So you you saw a lot of changes in public education, but uh, 
you you mentioned in your email to me that you're only a pipe collector because you have more than two pipes. Correct. <laughs> I'm not really a pipe collector. I I have a lot of pipes. Uh, I have one more pipe I'm going to buy, and that'll bring me up to a hundred. And uh, the only pipes that I have multiples of are Peterson and Cellini and some GBDs and some Kamoys. The rest are all one-offs. Well, uh, about three or four upshawls, too. The rest are pretty much one-offs. But you don't, you don't really collect one specific style, one shape, one manufacturer. You buy what you like? Right, absolutely. The only manufacturer that I buy on a regular basis has been Peterson for a while. And uh, I've always, I haven't had a bad Peterson ever. And I have, uh, what, I think a dozen. That is a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Dino. So we'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Dino. And all right, Dino. So you, I mean, you're one of the you're you've never worked in, in a tobacco shop. You've never made your own pipe. You you were just you are a salt of the earth, run of the mill pipe smoker that happens to have a lot of pipes, right? Correct. Perhaps not run-of-the-mill. I kind of think of myself as a little bit more exalted than that. So. <laughs> well, My dad worked at the tobacco shop, believe it or not. He, he ran a tobacco shop a couple times. And uh, I used to go and sit in there, but that was about it. <clears throat> but you were one of the first people to uh, uh, to really promote the fly fishing vest for pipe smoking? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Back in the 90s, I saw one or two guys wearing them, and I thought, geez, this is a great idea. I don't have to carry a bag. And uh, it became my man purse. And uh, I've been doing it since uh, the late 90s. Great story. One day I'm coming into the Chicago show, I think it was 2012, and Ewan Reese would make uh, commemorative lighters for the show. And Alex Floroff, one of my good buddies, yeah. comes running up to me and goes, Dino, Dino, they've immortalized you. And I go, what? And he shows me the the lighter, and it's a picture of a, of a vest. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been wearing them for a long time, and I've talked to a bunch of guys in the 
buying them and told them what the, the good deal is. <laughs> the picture of me that's the avatar uh, on the forums is a picture of me in Ireland <laughs> wearing my vest, which I used as a purse. I carried all my maps, my tobacco, my pipes, everything else. Now, when you when you've got it loaded up, how many pipes do you have in it? What what do you have a specific pocket for everything? Yeah, pretty much. One for the pipe, one for the pouch, the roll up pouch, one for the the lighter, one for my phone, one for my hand cleaner. <clears throat> so, pretty much everything is uh, set for my day. I usually carry one pipe, one or two at the most, but I do have a bag, so. I bring that along. Does it ever get, uh, uh, do you ever feel like it's getting heavy or hot to wear? And oh, yeah. I, yeah, when I got back from, from Ireland, I had a terrible neck problem because I had everything in that pocket and it was just pushing up against the back of my neck. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was kind of heavy. Uh, is, but, is there a brand of vest that you prefer? I like the Foxfire. I don't know if they're still available. I have two or three of them. Uh, and I would assume they come in different sizes. And uh, if, if so, if any of you want yeah, to try, just go online and look for them. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, and if they can fit, they can fit almost anybody. So, yeah. And you are also. Uh, I mean, you you've been in the Chicagoland Pipe Club from the very beginning. Yeah, almost the beginning. Yeah, I'm pretty much a charter member uh, because it was a it was kind of a scatter shot thing until about the the beginning of the 90s there was a south side club and a north side club and and uh, burla pretty much stitched it all together <clears throat> and uh, frank burla yeah. and uh yeah frank and i and a couple other guys are some of the original members it's... a couple of them have passed away mike reschke and and uh al smith <clears throat> and uh, a couple others but uh we're the old farts in the club. So what were the first club meetings like? Uh, uh, just a bunch of guys getting together in a hotel uh, uh, meeting room, sitting around and smoking and trading and swapping and and that. <coughs> so, no real business was accomplished, <laughs> except for the planning of the shows. Yeah, and in you, the middle of the above, we started planning the shows and, and uh, meetings about that. And, and the, those first shows were not uh, quite nearly as big as uh, the current one is, and they've had it's kind of it's kind of morphed and, and evolved. And I guess right around two thousand is when it really just launched. Right, right. The first really, really big one was uh, I think at Indian Lakes. <laughs> and uh, then we went to uh, Pleasant Run, and it just, it, it, these guys worked their butts off. I mean, Craig and, and Hans Hansen and, and Alan Boyd and all those guys just worked their butts off. Chuck, uh, <clears throat> all those guys just worked their heads off and really do a great show. And uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, I try to help out as much as I can. Uh, not being able to see very well uh, limits what I can do, and uh, but that's about it. It's a, it's a good group. 
the, and we've worked hard. Uh, how many how many tables were at that first Chicago pipe show out there? And what the what was the name of the town that it was in? It was way out in Harvey. Yeah, that was in the the hotel. I don't remember how many there were. There were there were not a hundred, but there were maybe close to that. <laughs> there were a lot of tables because there was. It was the guys from Indiana who were in the Antiques uh, Club and the guys from the north side that were in uh, Dennis Piazza's club. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, it was kind of getting together and, and, and building. So it, it was built from there to the fact that we've got more than 300 tables at our shows now. And then the other thing that you are uh, that that you're uh, active in is uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I've always been interested in Sherlock Holmes. Uh, as a kid, I think the first book I actually bought was at a uh, book fair in our school, and it was a Sherlock Holmes book. I think I was nine or ten, <clears throat> but I never got involved in any of the the clubs until recently. One of the Pipe Club members, Al Shaw, uh, said, hey, Dina, why don't you come to some of our meetings? And I did, and I got involved, and I'm in three of the Scion groups, which is a, an approved group from the Baker Street Irregulars, the first uh, club, uh, Sherlockian club in the United States. And I belong to um, Hugo's Companions, which Al Shaw is now the uh, the president of, the Sir Hugo of and uh, it's the second oldest in Chicago from 1949. And I got elected uh, most drunken companion, <laughs> which, which is perfect, but uh, it means I'm a secretary. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a chance for me to get together with guys to do the same thing we do at pipe club meetings, sit down and BS about this and that, and not necessarily on the topic of what we're there for. Uh, well, let's go. Let, let me ask you this then: What is your what's your favorite Sherlock Holmes story? Uh, probably whatever. Um, the Red-Headed League I like a lot. That's a really good story. That one and probably Silver Blaze, and uh, yeah, I think those are my two favorites probably. And do you have a favorite actor who portrayed Sherlock Holmes? I'm kind of torn between the kind of not canonical Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and the very canonical Jeremy Brett. Um, Jeremy Brett's shows were just perfect. I mean, there were scenes where if you froze... The scene on TV was an exact copy of one of the illustrators, Sidney Paget's drawings. They were very well done. <clears throat> Those are probably my two favorites. How does the uh, how do the Sherlockians feel about the uh, the new Sherlock Holmes with his uh, two and three patch problems? D- depends on how old you are, I think, and how long you've been involved. Some of the younger people are very much into uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and and uh, don't know much about the other ones. 
time, yeah, there's a little friction, but not much. It, you know, everybody gets together essentially for conversation. At least those that really care about it. So it's all uh, it's all friendly debate and friendly discussion. Pretty much, and... yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, and, and as long as you like it, you like it. Right. All right, now the the question I've been waiting to ask you in uh, you you've been our uh, our uh, honorary musical director for several episodes, but you have got an incredible knowledge of music. Uh, where did it come from, and how much music do you listen to on a regular basis? I listen to music all the time, pretty much. And uh, the radio is on all the time, and it's either between a, a rock station, a classic station, or my jazz station. And uh, my dad was really into music a lot. Um, he was in the theater in Greece. He was a, a musical comedian. And they brought him here to America to, uh, to kind of bring real Greek theater to America. And... Uh, he really loved music, and his best friend was a was an opera singer with the Metropolitan Opera, the guy he grew up with, Nicola Moscona. So I was pretty much steeped in music all the time. I listened to it as a little kid and and uh, listened on the radio to Toscanini broadcasts and, and the Met Opera. And, um, and I'm interested in all kinds of music. It's an incredibly eclectic uh, collection that I have, and it ticks my wife off because I'll be sitting in the in the back room with the with the with the stereo, and I'll go from one one genre to the next, and she'll you know scream in from the kitchen, "Hey, pick a genre, dummy!" <laughs> and uh, no, I I just love music all the time, and I've collected music. I've been in uh, I was in a record collectors club of of seventy eight opera record collectors and wow. knew some of the collectors in America. And, uh, but as I say, my, my tastes are very eclectic. I'll go from, <clears throat> from the who to, uh, you know, George Schulte to, uh, you name it. I'm, I'm all over the place. I, that, it, it's amazing to me because you've come up with some artists that I never heard of and I think I'm fairly knowledgeable in music and yet you're you know but like you also my tastes are all over the place except I think I probably like more Disney music than you do yeah but that's kind of why I like you Brian one of the few things that I like about you oh good is your eclectic taste in music so I get a kick and that, and we both have the perfect faces for radio. Yes, we both look perfect for radio. <laughs> perfect faces for radio. And I, I'm on the uh, forum. The one uh, thread that I'm always on is uh, what music are you listening to? And there's some interesting stuff. Guys are posting music from all over the, the map in terms of genre, and it's, it's a lot of fun. That's one of the, the, the uh, threads I really like. And nowadays, with the computer and with things like Spotify and YouTube and all those other, you, know, you can find whatever music you want and listen to it almost instantly. Absolutely, I'll be listening to a piece of music in the back room, and then I'll come in here on the 
on the uh, computer, find it on YouTube and post it on the thread. You know, <laughs> it's really easy. Uh, has your has, is your taste in pipe tobacco as varied as your taste in music? No, I'm pretty much an English uh, pipe tobacco person, and uh, I love Latakia. Sorry, Brian. Well, that's a that's been nice talking to you. Hope you enjoyed it. Um. <laughs> I love Latakia, and in particular, Syrian Latakia. So I'm screwed now. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> the less Latakia, the better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been stocking some stuff up, so I'm kind of okay. All right. Well, Dino, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes, sir. You've heard the show enough, so how about this? Number one? Um, my... Uh, Alex Floroff. Uh, Alex made me a pipe. He uh, <clears throat> he and I talk about music all the time, mostly classical music and mostly Russian classical music. Yeah. And I said, Alex, I am never going to be able to afford one of your pipes. Take a piece of scrap that you have left over and carve me out a little uh, nose burner. <laughs> and I met the the dinner one Friday at the pipe club dinner. I mean, at the uh, the uh, show dinner, and he comes running in with Vera, and he's Dino, Dino, I have something for you, <laughs> and he hands me this incredibly beautiful pipe, uh, tomato, squash tomato with a, a long stem, bent stem, and a you know uh, water buffalo horn. It was just magnificent. And uh, I just went nuts. And that's that's my favorite pipe. Wait, can you do your Alex Florov impersonation again, please? Me imitate Alex? I love Alex. Alex <laughs> is always excited. He's he's an excited guy. <laughs> Dino, 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 I have something for you. <laughs> he's always got something for me. That's, that's, that's absolutely perfect. All right, on to uh, the answer for question number two is... Samovar. Yeah, well, I, good luck. I love Samovar. That was my absolute favorite tobacco, and I was pimping it all over the place. And then uh, I bought a crap load of it, and I'm sitting on that because uh, I, I really like that Syrian Latakia. Yeah. And it was a perfect blend. It was just an absolute perfect blend. Mike and Mary never make a mistake. <clears throat> and I love Mary. <laughs> I always I always kid Mary. I found out oh, a while back when I was looking at Carl Ewa's book that he had dedicated it to his wife, Maria. And I'm going, Maria? I thought she was Mary. And then I saw someplace that she was Greek heritage because <clears throat> she was talking about how she had come up with the logo for the, uh, the uh, company. Yeah. And I go up to her and I say, you know, I told her this joke that uh, it, it's hard to translate it, but it'll work. This uh, Greek <clears throat> leaves from Greece to make a better life in America in the mid-1800s, and he, he's going west, and he gets captured by a group of Native Americans, and they stamp him down to the ground, and the chief is ready to lean forward and scalp him. 
And he looks up to heaven and he goes, Fair, fair, sosamit. God, God, save me. The Indian looks down at him and says, You mean you're a Greek and you don't say anything? <laughs> I told that to Mary. And I find out that her dad came from a town that was like 30 miles as the crow flies from my mother's hometown. So I call her cousin Mary. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. And the answer, the answer for number three is? Uh, I would have to say Jack Daniels. I like Jack Daniels a lot. Well, you were you're you're doing great until you got to the Latakia and Jack Daniels. Um, well, I, I like a lot of things. I like, you know, I like a good Bombay Sapphire Martini, up and cold. That's right now. That's what I'm drinking. That and Bombay Sapphire uh, and tonic. <clears throat> a good port. And definitely a single malt scotch. I'm a big fan of the McCallum, 12-year-old. I would have figured you'd like Uzo. Oh, God, no. That stuff, <laughs> <clears throat> that stuff is too dangerous. That's for tourists and guys who never stand that. Because if you drink Uzo long enough, you can't make a fist. And you attempt to stand up and fall on your toothless. So. <laughs> uh, question number four. Uh, a book while listening to music. Uh, <laughs> that would confuse me. Uh, and then yeah, fi finally, do you have a uh, pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about? Yeah, you know what's what's kind of cool is the fact that uh, we're such a great community together, all of us pipe smokers. I took the uh, Alex Floroff pipe and went out to the tent that uh, that evening after dinner and sat down, filled the pipe up with some samovar and lit up and sat there and there was a bunch of guys across the table from me uh asian guys and uh we started talking and and uh, i started pimping uh, alex's pipe to them and telling them how great it was and this and that and and uh they're kind of giving me these low uh samurai sounds which are kind of cool <laughs> and and uh i said do you guys uh are you guys collectors or carvers or how come you're here? And uh, one guy says, oh, collector. And the other guy said, I make pipe. And I said, oh, do I know your name? And he says, uh, Saab Tuge. <laughs> and I just about fell off the damn chair and said, I'm, I'm sitting here pimping Alex Floroff's pipe to Saab Tuge. It was just bizarre. But that's the kind of community we pipe smokers are. We're sitting there with who some of us think are, are masters, and we're just talking. It was, it was a cool moment. I love those random moments uh, out in the smoking tent, and you never know who you're going to sit down next to. <laughs> and that smoking tent is, is just an incredible place to be. You meet so many different, incredible people. I mean, I even saw you there a couple times. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, they let, <laughs> they let anybody in. They let just anybody in. Yeah. No, no IQ requirements. No, you don't even have to be pretty. No. <laughs> you have to be dressed usually, though. They they kind of frown on that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one German guy. I won't mention his name. <laughs> one year was at that bar outside by the outside the pool there, 
And he comes down from his room and he's wearing shaps. But that's <laughs> all he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, um, Dino, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for all the... Uh, all the musical suggestions in the past and for uh, contributing oh, thank you, thank to you. the show. It's uh, it's listeners like you that make doing the show so much fun. Oh, I'm so honored and, and thank you for this show. It's, it's just an amazing, an amazing contribution. And uh, you are a, an honored doctor of pipes. Yeah, they were desperate for anybody under the age of 70. Oh, yeah, well, there, <laughs> there, there aren't that many. <laughs> <laughs> Dino, thanks Great. again, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes and sizes it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style just this year we've expanded our lineup to include the bianca the lancelotto the 2015 collection and the final installment in the leonardo da vinci line the vitruvio for a bolder style try our more colorful 2015 editions as well the exotic cashmere the sultry licoricea and the striking archibaldino red so whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. I'm here alone again, and I uh, just want to thank Dino for coming on. It's interesting how Dino's... Uh, Dino's uh, routine of cleaning a pipe seems like a combination of a couple of different theories that I've heard before. So, uh, mix them up, add them together, make it your own. Uh, also, uh, you know, it's, how many years has it been now? And I think that's the first time we've talked about fishing vests or uh, photographer's vests for pipe smokers. <laughs> anyway, uh, for music, uh, guitar player and pipe smoker Phil Kagey and I found a, uh, an, a, he did some acoustic covers, and I just happened to like this song. I like the way Phil does it, and it's uh, Here Comes the Sun. Here comes the sun, didn't it? 
Phil marked as one of my favorites on uh, Spotify, prolific uh, recording artist and uh, just a wonderful musician. So check him out. It's Phil, P-H-I-L. Last name is Kagi, K-E-A-G-G-Y. And I'm going to have to try to get him on the show as a guest. Oh, my God. You've got mail. In the mailbag, we have first from Casey Ghost. Uh, Dan writes, enjoyed the discussion on Dunhill finishes. Not being a fan of old English wood, I don't see what all the fuss is about, uh, but I know a lot of guys who are really into them. A real good display of Paige Sims pipes at the Chicago show. I was amazed that an old hippie like him would collect such a wonderful collection of pipes. Uh, it was good to hear him put in a plug for PNT Magazine in the NASPC newsletter. I guess if I could figure out how to keep a pipe lit while walking around, I could give it a try. Um, yeah, give it a try. Uh, get out there. If uh, Here's my only suggestion as you're walking. Kind of hold the bowl towards, uh, hold the bowl down and into the wind, and that'll help keep the pipe lit as you're walking. Um, Al S.S. Jones writes, I was pleased to meet Paige at the 2017 New York City Pipe Show and to buy one of my prized pipes from him, a uh, Sandblast GBD 9242, and he puts a link to the picture of it. Uh, Until we started chatting, I didn't know he lived in Maryland. The Chesapeake Pipe Club is quite active, and I need to find a way to make one of their meetings. I'd love to chat some more with Paige and see some of the shapes he collects. I'm with Paige in that it is always the shape that attracts me first, and the grain is a lesser consideration. Um, I will add in there, if uh, if you're anywhere near a pipe club, you need to do your darndest to uh, to get out and uh, visit those pipe clubs. I mean, hang out with other pipe smokers. What could be better? Uh, and then last, Dino says, uh, Paige was a terrific guest for show 250. Congrats on that milestone. 
I have a few squats in my collection, including a 60-year-old Frank that my father gave me. I like this shape for a short smoke while walking the dog in the hood. I'm doing my part. Thanks for another fun show, Dino. <laughs> and uh, thanks for being on this show and making this one fun. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Dino figured out how to uh, smoke a pipe while taking the dog for a walk and getting out in public. Uh, and then uh, lastly, uh, Lord of the Pipe Rings, Brad writes another great episode. Uh, 115 is a bit warm to be out and about having a bowl. This is when I typically either have one early morning or late evening. Once it cools down to 105 is when I'll lunt around. Yeah, that's uh, about the weather out in Vegas. And, um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, the, the weather in Vegas, once the sun goes down at, you know, 9 o'clock at night and it gets down around 90, 95, it's, it's really not that bad to be sitting outside. It's just you, you just don't want to be out in the direct sun. Um, if you're out in the direct sun in the middle of the day, you really don't need a lighter to, to light your pipe. It just kind of ignites and spontaneously, uh, combusts on your, on itself and will implode. So, uh, really no, uh, yeah, no, no outdoor pipe smoking in Las Vegas in the direct sun. That's what the casinos are for. And uh, remember, if you're at a casino in Las Vegas and you got a few quarters in the slot machine, they'll bring you whatever drinks you want. Just give the waitress a tip of 50 cents or a dollar and you can sit there and smoke and they don't even care if you're actually playing the machine. All right, uh, rant time in just a moment. received an email from Dan Lockler this week and it reminded me it was time to touch uh, to catch up on a couple of companies that we don't like and that we uh, wanted to rant about again so here it is uh, CVS who banned tobacco products uh, you know stopped selling them several years ago and I stopped going in there well now they are on to candy uh, they've stopped selling candy in all their stores and they will you know they're concerned about your health so it doesn't fit with their motto of uh, CVS your health now I, I was I was thinking about that a couple of months ago when my wife said something to me about it, and I was like, you know, uh, it's absolutely perfect that their color, their their logo, their color is red. It's the blood red color, and it's also the same color of communism and uh, China, red China, and the Kremlin, and you know, it's uh, all about uh, you know p- other people making decisions for you. Now, they are a private business, and I don't care what they do. It's up to them. No no government's telling them, but I just thought it was a little shocking that when you think about it, they've taken away candy. I'm sure the sugared sodas and sugared drinks are next, and they're t- they took away tobacco products. You know, that's uh, very uh, similar to uh, what uh, countries that are not quite as free as ours might do for you. Uh, summertime is here, and uh, Scott's and the Ortho Company still will not hire 
people that use tobacco products or test positive for nicotine in their system. So when you're shopping for your uh, for your outdoor uh, garden needs, if you can stay away from the Scotts slash Ortho Company, uh, that would be beneficial because they don't support us. And um, iTunes is still goofed up. <laughs> iTunes uh, What's Hot rating uh, system still doesn't work. All right, there you go. Uh, hope you all are having a safe and uh, or hope you all had a safe holiday weekend here in the United States. Uh, remember, if you've got any comments, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Uh, share everything with your friends. Uh, let them all know about the show. And uh, you know what? I thought a uh, perfect way to end tonight's show instead of the standard music, my uh, favorite uh, Kebmo playing uh, America the Beautiful. So I will wrap this up quickly and say thank you to Dino for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time.
See you. 